We're glad that you guys are here. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors at New City Church, and we're in this uh, series called More, right? And you see underneath it, uh, if you have 2020 vision or you have your glasses on, it says More 2020 vision. And what that is for us is we're, 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 we've laid out four outcomes of where we're hoping to go uh, over the next three years. So by the year 2020, we want to have accomplished four specific things. And how we discovered these um, was, one, we asked the, I asked a question to the elders that simply said, um, what do we currently see God doing? Right? Not, do we want, what, what things do, not, not what do we want to start, but what do we currently see God doing at New City Church? And then I asked the question, what do we think God may want to do more of in that way? Like, like we already see God doing this stuff, so how might he want to do more of that? Last week, I shared our first outcome, which is that uh, we will know every person who attends New City Church, and they will know they are known. Right? That, that's just a huge, like, for you to walk into this room and for me to know your name right? It's, it's really critical. Or for me to at least have a conversation where we're on the way for me to know your name. But I know, and you know, that knowing someone's name is not, that's not completely knowing someone. We want to know your story. Like even tonight at the five o'clock, there's about 30 people, I would say 25 people that I don't know who you are. Now you may be okay with that, but I'm not okay with that at all. I'm not, I'm not, now if you want to stay unknown, that's fine. I'm not going to give you a spiritual wedgie and make you, you know, hey, I want to know who, you know, I'm not going to do that. But if you want to, if you're looking for a place where people will know not only your name, but your story and how we're helping you grow in full maturity of Jesus, I mean, that's the church that I, that I want to pastor. Here's our second outcome that we're, we're pursuing. I'm what I want to talk about tonight. And this is a pretty raw, like I'm pretty straight up, right? I don't kind of dance around issues very well. I'm not that guy. So if you like that kind of guy, you're probably not going to like me, right? Uh, so uh, here, here we go. Here's the, the, the second outcome. is we're going to be a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. And I don't have a stutter. Some of you are like, why are you saying that three times, right? Because everybody in this room, if you wanted to, every single person, I don't care what your spiritual maturity level is, however you would phrase, phrase that, everyone in this room could go out and make a disciple. You could go out and you could help somebody grow in their faith. But if for you to do that three times, meaning that for you to disciple somebody who then that person goes and they disciple somebody in the same way, and for that person to get released and they go do the same thing, nobody does that without a process in place. And a lot of us, our process for making disciples is a start and stop process. You give your life to somebody for an amount of time, you make them better in, in knowing who Jesus is, and then you pray for them and you release them and you invite some more people into your life and you, and you start and you stop and you start and you stop. But what would it look like if we not only saw transformation in the people's lives that we walked with, but we also made them competent to go and do for others what we have done for them? That is powerful. And that's when we believe at New City Church, true life change can begin to happen. I want to uh, share with you that over the past three years, we've been forming, we've kind of like a, a, a thing of Play-Doh maybe, that we've been forming what our discipling process is going to look like, right? And so I see Jake and Brandy over here. They were in one of my very first groups. And what a horrible experience they got from me, right? Not because Matt's bad guy, but the, the, we, it was so, the cement was so wet, right? And we were trying to figure out who we are and how we were going to do it that they're better for it. Like I love Jake and Brandy. They're dear friends of mine. But they didn't, I don't know if I did a great job making them competent to go do this. And they are competent, but it's not because of me. And I've still got some work to do on the, after the fact of coaching and equipping them to go and and do this. Brandon, I'm walking with Brandon right now. Brandon's one of my guys. Brandon's getting a much better Matt, Matt 3.0, right? (laughs) 
a little chubbier map than what Brandy and Jake got. But, you know, um, but, but what we, we, we've started some stuff that we didn't start with. We stopped some things that we started with, and we've kept some things. Now, I do want to say, though, that the Play-Doh was no longer, like, movable, and the cement's no longer wet. Like, we kind of have a process that we're seeing work and bear fruit, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. A few weeks ago, I used this scripture I want to revisit tonight. It's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It's one of my favorite. And um, this is uh, Paul, who is a pretty famous Christ follower, wrote several letters in the New Testament. He had identified a young leader by the name of Timothy that he just honestly took under his wing and began to disciple and mentor. And Timothy becomes a pastor of a church and actually had an influence over a lot of different uh, uh, churches in the area. And this is what Paul says to Timothy in his second letter to him that's in our New Testament. Paul says, You have heard me teach things that have been what? Okay, you're allowed to talk at New City, all right? So you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed, right? Meaning that, here's the deal, Paul didn't teach philosophy. He wasn't talking to Timothy about, well, you know, maybe if we tried this, or, hey, what if I have, what if we did this, or, hey, you know what? It wasn't no, like, gut feeling. He was teaching Timothy things that had been confirmed by what? Many witnesses. Like, there were people in lives that Paul could point to and say, you see that guy? You see that girl? You see that child? You see those things? God has done stuff. Like, my, 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 my belief and understanding of who Jesus is and Jesus' transformation is evident. It's confirmed in these things. He goes on to say, if you continue with me, not only have they been confirmed by many witnesses, he then says, now teach these truths to faithful people, making them what? <laughs> Competent. Making them having the ability to teach others. And this is the key component in our process, is that if all we have is transformation, but there's no competency, this doesn't have the opportunity to be the movement that we hope that it would be in your life and the lives of your friends. Because here's the truth. How many of you guys have friends that are very standoffish to Sunday morning or Sunday evening church? You, you do, if you think about it hard enough. Like, you work with, do you work with people that would never come to church? Yeah. Right? Do you have family members that you may see at Thanksgiving that think church is a joke? Yeah, I do too. Right? Do you have neighbors? Right? Maybe uh, people in your dorm who there is no way they're going to church with you. Right? Classmates. If our discipling mechanism, if your discipling mechanism is only to get them to church on a Sunday, there's going to be many people that you care about, many friends that you have that are never going to come here because of that very reason. But yet you know them. Like when you call them, they answer. And when you text, they respond because they love you and they care about you. What if you were the, what if you were the pastor mad in their life? And what if the goal was, hey, I need to get them to church. What if the goal was, hey, I'm going to introduce you to Jesus and I am competent that I can do that. And that's our discipling process. Now, our discipling process over the years has, has, has uh, had a lot of critique. There's been people that, that will argue with me about what we do. And it's very rarely uh, people who are new to church. It's typically churched people, right? People who've had a lot of church experience. And this is the number one critique. I'm like, I want to I pull back the curtain and let you know what people say about our discipling process, right? Here's the first critique people give us. They say, this isn't the only way to make disciples. This isn't the only way. Now, I'm going to answer. I want to respond to this. And I'll have to continue to respond to this because more people come to the church and they haven't heard the answer. So when someone says to me, this isn't the only way to make disciples, this is always my response. And it has been from the beginning. I know. That's, that's it, right? I mean, we've never said this is the way. This is a way. It's our way. 
It's how we're choosing to disciple you. You say, man, what are you discipling us towards? Well, it's three things that I, if I could sum up into three things. One, we want you to know the word of God. That's a good thing to disciple somebody to, right? The second thing is we want to disciple you to actually live like Jesus. So like when you understand the word, that you actually do what it says. That's really a key component. And the third thing is that we want you to be able to teach others. So we want you to know, we want you to live it, and we want you to teach others. That's, that's, that's our whole strategy in our discipling process, okay? Now, after that critique, the next thing that they will say when answered is they'll say this. Inevitably, I've heard this, I'm telling you, I've heard this tons of times. Well, that's not how I make disciples. You know, one, it's that's not the only way. I know. Then the second response is, the second critique is, well, that's not how I do it. And, 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 and my response is, and I want you to hang in with me as I say this because I'm going to bring it around and make it personal for me is when someone says to me, well, that's not how I make disciples, my question to them sometimes, depending on how great of a relationship I have with them, is this. Can you communicate your way of making disciples? Like, if our way is not going to be your way, that's fine. But can you, are you able to communicate how you're going to go about it? And two, has your way been confirmed by many witnesses? Like, when you, when, when you talk about your way, can you point to people and say, see that person right there? They have come to know Jesus and have been baptized through my discipling process. And better yet, when you say, that's not how I make disciples, uh, when you turn around, is there anybody actually following you? I think those are fair questions to ask. Because I've been in ministry since I was 19. And like some of you, I, I make this joke, I've had people kind of semi-laughing this morning. But you may think like you're a great volunteer, but like I... I couldn't get enough ministry. Stacking chairs, cleaning bathrooms, painting walls, talking to kids. It didn't matter. When I was 19, like, I fell in love with the church. Many people, so like when I see our college students over here, a lot of people, maybe your story is you walked away from God when you went into college out of high school. That's when Jesus found me. And, man, I dove in hardcore, deep in, let's go, baby, right? And God gave me an opportunity to move to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was there for 10 years. And while I was there for 10 years, I had a, a fairly large student ministry that I was responsible for. And then I helped plan a campus uh, in one of their locations. There's a big church called uh, Flamingo Road Church. Now they're called Potential Church. Big place, maybe 15,000, 16,000 people. About the size of Church of the Resurrection here in town in Kansas City, if you were com to compare sizes, not styles. Uh, it's a completely different style of ministry. But over my 10 years in Florida, man, I, I led hundreds of, of students and adults into faith in Jesus. Like, I, I've had that conversation with hundreds of people. I've, I've, I've baptized hundreds of people. I'm, stay with me here. I'm going somewhere with this. I mean, I've been at Fort Lauderdale Beach on Easter morning as the sun's coming up, wearing a, a, a what do you call those, a wetsuit, because the water's so stinking cold, baptizing people who don't have on wetsuits, and they come out of the water and they're shaking like this, right? You know, you're just shaking the devil out of them, I guess, right? <laughs> but just, but, but so many people, like, you're just doing this, and they're just keep coming crazy. I'm like a disciple right fun done that several several times my 10 years there several times three times at least four times a year it'll be fun but he here's the thing in all of the transformation that i have seen in my own ministry i can't tell you where the majority of those people are now like i i mean i saw i mean i saw them crying as they were accepting jesus and many of them i got to baptize but i can't tell you what they're doing now now, I'm not saying they're out doing horrible things. What I'm saying is I can't tell you if they're doing for someone else what I did for them. Like for six of my ten years in Florida, I was a student pastor. Thousands of teenagers came through my ministry. And, dude, I remembered their names. And so they would come back in. I'd say, hey, Stephen, what's up, man? How do you know my name? I'd say, I work for God, bro. 
That was my response, right? And just, man, just loved on these kids, shared the gospel. I can't, I can't, I saw transformation in students' lives, but I can't tell you what they're doing today. And, and what I, what I want to get you to hear is transformation is fantastic. But if we're going to accomplish what Paul said to Timothy, what you've seen me do, make other people competent to teach others, I've missed that mark in my life until three years ago. And as a church, we decided, you know what? We're not just going to create moments of transformation. We're going to create moments of transformation that lead to discipling opportunities. Because the goal is, is for not only for Dory and her family to be transformed by Jesus, but then to be able to say, okay, how do I now communicate uh, what Jesus has done for me for other people? And sometimes we struggle with language. We, we struggle with, how do, I, how do I do that? And so I want to try to show you something. I think I have a little bit of time here because I like to draw and try things, and I think sometimes we learn by drawing and working things out. So, uh, Abraham, would you put up our little, my little plus sign, our little matrix? Awesome. And so this is going to be, uh, I call this my transformation competency matrix, right? And so those are two big words for me, but I'm going to do my best to spell them, all right? So up here I'm going to do competency. And over here on the right I'm going to do transformation. You can do this as well on your board, on your on your insert if you want to. Okay, and to save time, down here at the bottom, if the top is complete competency, down here at the bottom, this is my sign for not competent, and over here on the far left, it's going to be not transformation. Is that cool? You guys with me so far? So being competent is being able to take what you've been, what you've experienced and giving language and tools so that you are qualified and equipped to do that for someone else. And transformation is the fact that Jesus has got a hold of your life and you're different because of that. Now, I'm just going to say something this real quick, okay? Because I think this, is, this touched a nerve at 11 o'clock. Some of you are, have not yet experienced the transformation of Jesus, and here's why. You spend all your time hanging out with people that talk to you about Jesus and you never sit with Jesus yourself. I'm going to say this again. You spend all your time going to places, whether it be Bible studies or church services or, or blogs or uh, 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 videos, uh, pastors, and you spend all your time having other people talk to you about who the person of Jesus is rather than carving out time in your day to sit in a chair somewhere and simply sit with Jesus and let Jesus speak to you, just him to you. And you're, you're basically, you're wanting somebody else to give you the living water of Jesus, the, the living, uh, the, the Jesus himself, instead of just sitting with him and saying, God, what do you have for me? So cancel the Bible studies that you've got this week and sit with the Lord. And then if you have time after you sit with the Lord to go to your Bible study, have a ball. But, but don't put one in front of the other. Let's look at this right here. First of all, let's start in the bottom left-hand corner. Does anybody want to go to a church... Or hang out with spiritually minded people that have no trans uh, that no have no transformation and no competency. That sounds like a complete waste of time to me. Okay, so I don't even want to spend time talking about that. That's a, that's a big bummer. All right, but down here, and you guys, I want you to help me out here. Okay, what does it look like from your perspective for you to have transformation in your life but no comp competency? Like for God to have really done something drastic in your life but yet you don't have a way to communicate that to someone else. You don't have a way to teach people what you've experienced. What would, how would you describe that? Spiritual baby? Okay. I'm just going to put baby. Can I write baby? Baby, baby. Okay, baby. Awesome. What else? Greg, what would you say? Frustrating. Frustrating. Okay, cool. Keep talking. Who else? Naive. Why are you giving me hard words, bro? 
Is that right? I don't know. Okay, I am an English major. Don't tell anybody, all right? What else? What are some of the ways where you have God's done something, but when you try to tell somebody how that happened in your life, you're like, uh, 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 I, I don't know. Irritating. Irritating. Man, give me hard words. How do you spell that, Juice? Go ahead, let me have it. You don't know either, do you? Go ahead. Okay. Man, I tell you, education at KCC is paying off, bro. Hang in there. Hang in there. All right? So this right here also I would say is it's, it's really good. By the way, this is not a miss. This is great for you. But we want to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so this stops. Oh, I just lost it. We're going to have to talk unless I can get it back. Let's see here. Yeah, here I'm back. So let's go up here to the top left. When you have competency but no transformation. And this, by the way, this is the American way, right? That we know all the information, but nobody's lived it, right? You got all the diet books, all the self-improvement books, right? Come on, come on. You got the gym memberships, right? You're with me. What's, you say hypocritical, okay. What else, guys? Competency, but no transformation. What do you think? Okay, thank you. Um, you know, it's info-focused, right? Like, never fall into the trap to somebody that tells you that discipleship is, hey, read this book, and in six weeks you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. Guys, that's, that's just baloney. Three years Jesus walked with these men. Three years. The best teacher on the planet is Jesus. And how many times after he got done teaching, do they walk up to him and say, what did you mean? I didn't understand any of that, right? I mean, uh, they're arrogant, yeah. Good job, Jake. We know it, but we haven't experienced it. I don't. You laughing at my your spelling, Hannah? You are, aren't you? It, just give me some grace. You know, come on now. Come on. What we where we want to live, guys, is right here as a church. We want to live in the space of being competent and transformation. Where, okay, can I give you a, just a simple, small example? Anybody in the room, parent? Anybody, any mommies or daddies in the room? So, um, I learned this. I had a friend tell me. He said, when you get married, you're going to realize how selfish you are. And when you have a kid, you're going to realize how bad your temper is. And, man, that is so true. Yesterday, I'm sitting, we're having, me and Jen are eating pizza, my wife, and I have twins that are seven and Luke that's five. And they're having chili. And they're sitting at the bar. And I don't know what happens. I have no idea what happens. All I know is chili's flying through the air, all over alley, all over the stool, all over everybody except Luke, the one who knocked the chili over. Like, I don't know how he ninja out of that, right? And I lost my head. I mean, Luke can take me to a whole other level. And I just, I, and I, I, I mean, I, I lost it. And, I, and to keep from uh, spanking him in that moment out of my anger, I sent him to his room. Actually, I yelled at him, really. I mean, I, was, I, I lost it. Not proud of this at all. And he goes to his room. I'm cleaning up this huge mess. Jen comes back down because she'd been up in the bedroom doing something. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, ah! You know, and Allie and Christy are like, ah, you know, doing the mannequin, you know, scared to death. And um, um, Luke's up in his room crying. And, man, I went up there, and I hadn't calmed down, and I just let, I laid into him. I'm like, bro, because he, it's, he, he, it's impossible for Luke's butt to stay in a chair while we're having dinner. And I don't know how he roundhouse kicked the chili. I have no idea how it happened. But, it, but, but so last night, uh, I mean, it took me, honestly, it took me about an hour to calm down. I was so mad at my boy. He's five. 
And so I, uh, I, we, we take, uh, Jen was going to take the kids to a movie. I was going to go with some friends to hear this guy speak. And I'm like, there's no way I'm sending her to the movie with three kids, with Luke being one of the three. There's no way I'm going to do that to my wife, right? So I canceled my plans, and I went to the movies with them. But then afterwards, I had her drop me off at the speaking engagement just because so, I, I gave my friend my word that I was going to go. It was at 7 o'clock. I got there at 730. And the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking, if tonight's the last night that I ever see my boy, I will carry this for, with me forever that that's how I talk to him. And I knew he was going to be asleep when I got home, but I just couldn't wait for him to wake up this morning. And I'm talking about transformation because there are simple things in life, guys, that you won't do it unless Jesus tells you to. It's not always these big things. Sometimes it's just you need to apologize to your five-year-old. What a, adults don't apologize to five-year-olds, right? I'm daddy. Do what I say. But over and over again, I just feel like the Lord said, you need to apologize to your boy. And so this morning, getting ready for church, I go in his room, and I see him rolling around, so I just curl up in bed beside him, you know, and I said, hey, buddy. He's like, yeah. I said, I need to apologize for yelling at you yesterday. I was, I was, I was really, really mad. He goes, I know. <laughs> and I said, Daddy's, Daddy's sorry. He goes, it's okay. And I said, no, I know. I said, no, it's not okay. I need you to hear me say that I'm sorry because that's not how I'm teaching you to behave. See, <coughs> mommies and daddies, we disciple at home first. Yeah. And I'm trying to teach my son how to be competent in controlling his anger. And right now, Daddy sucks at it. Right? And he goes, you'll just do it again. That's what he told me. <laughs> Little punk. And so I said, um, so I said you know what? I'm gonna, I need you to help me not. Because the only time that you can control your temper is when your temper flares up. You can't like, be prepared in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like you, can't, you don't get to sit back and say, okay. Like it just happens. And it's in that moment that you're in the war and either you're going to respond. And so I said, I need you to help daddy. And I said, but listen, because I could tell by the look on his face. I, I could tell because he's a thinker. I said, that doesn't mean you're not going to get in trouble and not get disciplined. And he's like, oh. <laughs> you know, he, like, he thought he was going to get out of jail free card for the rest of his childhood. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just not going to lose my head, right? Now, here's the thing. How is God transforming you, right? And how do you take that and make it into a competent way that when you're sitting with other men and women, you can say, hey, now how do we grow into that? And how do we step into that? And how do we be obedient to the smallest of details and the littlest of things? Because I used an illustration with a five-year-old. Yours may be with your spouse, with a friend, with your parents. Pick something where you just kind of lose it. I want to wrap up by um, showing you this scripture in Acts chapter 4, right? And, and we're going to be done. But... Um, in Acts chapter 4, last week I talked on this, and it's where the, ga the guy who has been lame for 40 years, and by lame, I don't mean that he wasn't cool. Some of you are like, you mean there was a guy who wasn't cool for 40 years? He was so lame? That's not at all what I meant, right? No laughter. Shoot, I really worked on that. Some of you, thanks for playing along over there. Um, there was a guy whose legs didn't work for 40 years. He's sitting by this gate, and every day people walk by on their way to worship, and they give him money. And last week, we talked about how Peter and John, they walked by, and he asked for gold and silver. And they said, hey, we don't have that. What we do have, stand up in the name of Jesus and walk. And so what's happening now in this story is this guy who's been lame for 40 years, not able to walk, all of a sudden, he's bouncing all over the temple like a one-man worship service going crazy. And all the neighborhoods <laughs> notice him. They're like, hey, I know you, and you usually you can't walk. And so now he's walking, and people are losing their minds. But somebody else is losing their mind, all the religious elite. All the old church folk who have control and who have been doing ministry for a long time, they look at this guy and they're like, that's not how it's supposed to happen. 
And so they're very upset, but they can't really argue too much because they see a guy who wasn't walking now walking. And so they're in a tight spot. This is not how we're supposed to do it, but it's happened. And so they bring in the two responsible, Peter and John. They stand them before them. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 4. It says, When they, they being the religious elite, saw the boldness of Peter and John and discovered that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized these men had been with Jesus. And because they saw the man who had been healed standing with him, they had nothing to say against this. But when they had ordered them to go outside the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What should we do to these men? For it is plain to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable miraculous sign has come about through them, and we cannot deny it. Now, I want you to find, I want you to identify three uh, descriptors, maybe three words in that passage. I want you to help me identify one word of transformation. And the word transformation is not there. I'm, I'm asking you to help me to identify where transformation took place. I want you to identify where competency is revealed. And I want you to identify things that have been confirmed. Okay? And I'll help you. We're looking for transformation. We're looking for competency. And we're looking for... Sorry about that. And we're looking for... Abraham, we'll go to the next slide now. And we're looking for uh, what has been confirmed. So let's go to that passage, Acts chapter 4. It's there in your insert. And here's what I would say about transformation. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Guys, when God changes your life in something, like when you step into obedience to the things of Jesus, when you know the word right? And then you live the word. Here's what happens. It transforms your life. And when you get transformed, here's what happens. You become bold in that area because you've experienced it. And so Peter and John have experienced so much transformation in their life that they're, they're the most bold in the most extreme of circumstances to the top level spiritual authority in their context. Here they are talking and preaching about this guy, Jesus. And the reason they're able to do that is because they have been transformed. Notice next, I want to talk about competency. And discovered that they were uneducated and they were ordinary men. And they were amazed and recognized these men had been with who? They recognized there was something about those two guys that the religious elite said, these guys have been with Jesus. Not they heard about Jesus. Not, hey, these guys go to temple faithfully. These guys had been with Jesus. I think this is remarkable because if you go back to Peter and John's story, when Jesus invited them into discipleship, you know what he said to them? He said, follow me, guys, and I will teach you how to fish for people. Jesus said, hey, if you follow me, I'm making a deal with you. If you follow me, I'm going to make you competent in something that you can't yet do, fish for people. And you know what he did? Jesus held up his end of the deal, and so did these men. They followed Jesus till his death at the crucifixion. They were around after his resurrection. And you know what? They were being competent in what Jesus had taught them. And you know what else? They also made other people competent. And here's how I know that. We're sitting here today. If those men hadn't done what Jesus said in a way that was reproducible and multiplying, we wouldn't be here. They taught. They reflected. They demonstrated. Let's talk about being confirmed. What about the very last three words? Cannot deny it. What kind of transformation has happened in your life that is so extravagant that people can't deny it? This is a really hairy question because some of us struggle with answering this question. How is your obedience to Jesus? How have you been such a loyal soldier to Jesus and being loyal to his ways that it's drastically changed your life that when your family look at you, they say, wow, we simply can't deny it. 
And I'm not talking about you got a really creative Facebook post. I'm talking about your life. That when they say, hey, we can't, there's something different about you and it can't be denied. When I was 19, you know what it was for my father? This is, you're gonna, this is gonna give him a joke. This is not this is serious though. When I was 19, it was because my dad told me to take out the trash and I did it without giving him any lip. I mean, serious. He told my mom, something's different about Matt. She goes, like, What do you mean? He goes, I just told him to take out the trash and he did it. My mind's blown. Right? God was changing my heart towards my parents. I was a punk. And Jesus was saying, honor your father and your mother. And I was actually doing as best I could what Jesus said. And it was changing the dynamics in my home. Things happen that you can't deny. And as we do this, guys, here's what happens. We become a people who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. At New City Church, we're going we're gonna to teach you. Our strategy is to teach you to understand the word, that you're living that word, and that you're able to teach other people. And as we do that, we will make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I don't know if you're there yet, but that's the, that's the road that we're on. Because you know why? I care about my neighbors. I care about my lost friends. I care about my baristas at Starbucks that I hang out. And my goal is not to get them to New City Church. If they come here, woo, cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. That's fantastic. But better yet, how do I, as the guy who interacts with them every single day in all these different relationships, how does God want to use me to drastically change the world? Did you know you can change the world? You go, oh, man, I can't change the world. You can change your world. You can change your relationships by simply living for Jesus and teaching others to follow that example. I'm telling you, you'd be amazed what God can do through uneducated and just ordinary folks. So what can he do through educated, extraordinary folks? Some pretty powerful things. Amen. Can I pray for you? Hey, Lord, help us. Help us to follow you. Help us to step into obedience. Help us to be patient with those that were teaching and training and showing and reflecting. God, thank you for the transformation that's happening in our own lives. May we only experience more of that as we continue to follow. Father, I also want to pray for our college students that if there are even men and women here who want to invest in them, that they would. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time. We conclude every service at New City Church with a time of giving back to God. And um, we give back in, in this context in ways of our tithes and offerings. So, Thomas and Marty, let's go ahead and collect offering at this time. And as you're, as you're exiting tonight, in just a moment, as you exit, you're going to be handed a, a, a Thanksgiving Day offering. Next, next Sunday, during our worship times, by the way, next Sunday after this service, we're having our uh, community meal, and it's Thanksgiving dinner focused, so you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be delicious, all right? So we're going to pig out, so come hungry. So we got chicken drop at 3 o'clock, church right after that at 5 p.m. with the community meal that follows for you guys and for friends that tend to show up. But when you leave tonight, you're going to get a Thanksgiving Day offering. It's just a simple, simple little offering envelope. And what that is for, someone said, Matt, are you asking us to make a, a yearly commitment financially? Not at all. Next Sunday is a one-time gift, uh, generosity gift that you're giving towards New City Church. And my question was, has God blessed you this year? And has God pulled you through something? Like, this is how we get to say thank you back to God. Now, there was a guy at our Edgerton location who said, you guys are just trying to get our money. It's a money grab, okay? And so here's what I will respond to everybody, the way that we responded to that gentleman. If your attitude towards our Thanksgiving Day offering is New City just wants our money, here's what I would encourage you to do. Give that resources that you would give to someone else that you think needs it. 
Here's the deal. Um, this might be kind of hard for some of you, but this is really good truth. I can't be the reason that you choose not to be generous. Like, don't, don't allow this church because you don't trust us giving us your money, the reason that you're not going to give. So take that little Thanksgiving Day offering, put the money that you want to give in it that you feel like God, and the reason we're giving it to you tonight, you got seven days to say, God, what do you want me to give? And he's going to stretch you on this. I'm telling you, he's stretching my family. But you be obedient to give what God says. But if you're like, I don't trust the church. I don't know if I trust you, Matt, with our money. That's fine. Pick the family on your street. Pick your family that you work with. And you bless them with that money. You can be the church. I trust you with that. I think God does too, right? But I hope that you can trust us with it. Because we're going to use those resources as a catalyst as we continue our ministry into 2017. And so with that, you guys have a blessed day. I'll see you next Sunday night, same time, same place. Actually, two hours earlier for the chicken drop. Don't miss that, all right? It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs>